Welcome to the Student Affairs Spectacular, the weekly podcast giving you a front row seat to the greatest student affairs show on earth. And now your ringmasters, Tom Kriegelstein and Dustin Ramsdell. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Student Affairs Spectacular podcast. Dustin here, and this episode is with Paul Piers, who is the president of Leadership. I had a fantastic chat with Paul about uh, leadership programs, um, his experience. He has a long career uh, in student affairs that he pulls from um, and kind of just his philosophy, kind of leading leadership to uh, build kind of better leaders for uh, the world of tomorrow. So um, he has some great tips uh, and we go over a lot of great books um, that he's reading and I'm reading and um, just share a lot of great stuff there. So um, look for everything we talk about in the show notes, um, all the books and, uh, listen out for his, uh, kind of quick tips towards the end. Um, uh, I think you really appreciate that. I know I did. So, um, we had a lot of fun. I appreciate Paul fitting me in into his busy schedule. Um, and without further ado, enjoy this episode with Paul Piers. So, all right. So yeah, I appreciate you, uh, sitting down to do this. And we always kind of just start off by having everybody kind of introduce their yourselves. And, um, I know you kind of have a student affairs journey and then how you kind of your story with, uh, leadership over the past couple of years. You bet. No problem. Um, so my, uh, my undergrad, uh, was in, uh, business, general business at Arizona state university. And so, um, while I was there, I tried to play baseball for my first two years and, and did okay, but then got really connected into, um, uh, residence life. And so it was, uh, an RA, uh, for my last couple of years there also very involved in student government. So I was, uh, involved in the IACUR region for NACUR, uh, and actually served on the, uh, the NBD. I was the director of that region for a little bit. And it really, um, you know, fired me up for working in student affairs and residential life, uh, and, and really enjoyed being a part of helping students make a difference. And I really thought that, that was a lesson that I had learned when I was younger and a lesson that I learned in being a college athlete. Uh, and so really enjoyed that. And so after graduating with my undergrad, I had an opportunity to go work at uh, Procter & Gamble or um, an investment banker. And I thought, you know what, I really want to go to grad school and I really want to uh, pursue something in, uh, in higher education. So I started my master's in public administration uh, with an emphasis in human resource development uh, there. And while I was doing that, I was an assistant hall director uh, at Arizona State. And so worked in residence life for that time. And then after graduating in 92 uh, with my master's, then became a full-fledged hall director at Arizona State for a couple years. Uh, Really enjoyed that. And then also really felt that I needed to get out of uh, Arizona State because that's all I knew right, was doing that. So I went to the University of California, Davis, and I worked there. And that was an amazing experience um, for me, just in terms of working with uh, a diverse student population uh, there in California. And so I had had a blast there, did that for two years, uh, and then uh, went back uh, home to work with my parents, uh, actually be with my parents. They had gone through some tough times physically and thought I could go back there and save them because that's what RAs always do, right, is they go back and and try to Mm -hmm. save folks, Mm -hmm. whether that's good or bad. But I did that and worked with 
Franklin Covey uh, for a little bit. They do the the time management and life management uh, seminars, and um, had really enjoyed that. And that was my first kind of taste of corporate life. And uh, and during that, I really missed higher ed. I thought the grass would be greener in terms of going to uh, corporate America, and it wasn't so much. Uh, and so I had some friends that were down at the University of Miami, and they had talked me into applying for a position down there. Uh, it's a beautiful place uh, to work. Um, amazingly um, small institution when you think of the University of Miami in Florida as, as being pretty large, but it's about 13,000 um, students at, at that time. And, um, you know, I had direct interaction with the president of the university and vice president and all that. It was, it was a great time. And I had met my wife down there while we were there. She worked in Campus Rec. And so both of us were Midwestern folks. So we came up uh, here to the University of Illinois and I started working there and she got a job at Campus Rec as well. And then uh, about two years into that, I had a chance to be a cluster facilitator uh, for the Leadership Institute, which was located here in Champaign as well, uh, which I had always heard of Leadership, but never really had a chance to get connected with them. Then, um, so did that in the summer of 2000, was a small group facilitator and talked with the executive director about my um, my doctoral program, my dissertation, and leadership had not really had a lot of research done on it, and he was really interested in, in someone doing that. So we went to lunch, and he was uh, talking not a lot about research, but a lot about leadership, and I, I clued in that I was being recruited for a job pretty quick. So um, in the summer of 2000, I came and started working with them, working with uh, facilitators as well as our curriculum. Uh, and then he left uh, shortly thereafter. And in 2001, I took over as president uh, of leadership. So that's kind of my path. And, and I jokingly say that my job is to, to not mess up leadership. Uh, and because it's got such a stellar reputation and there's so many amazing people that are working with that, that I really feel humbled and honored to ha have my uh, responsibilities that I do to, to guide the organization. And so, um, you know, that I've been with them now, gosh, since, you know, 2001. So in this role for 13 years as, mm -hmm. as president, uh, this August will be my 13th anniversary in that role. Um, and I pinch myself. You know, I'm, every day I get a chance to do what I, I love to do is 24-7, 365. And, and a lot of that has to do as it relates to, um, you know, our talk today, Dustin, is is uh, because of my work in higher ed. All the skills that I learned and the experiences that I had there, I think, really are a testament that if you do what you love, uh, good things happen. And I, I really do feel that leadership is that one of those good things for me. Yeah, that's really a uh... Like just how you like bounced around all of, like that's just as fascinating to me I guess like coming in and out of high regular it seems like some people like once they leave they never come back or um I guess like they just it's like just a, a different things I think some people think of, like oh you're leaving the profession like you're abandoning student affairs but you're still doing like good work and um like especially with some like a group like leadership because I think like in my head I've always thought that I might um eventually go out to like a different thing that maybe still influences college or something so I thought that um I don't know, like being in the system sometimes is stifling. If you can like be outside the system and affect it, it might be um, a better way to affect change and everything. But um, I guess, and you know, we wanted to talk about kind of like leadership programs and like kind of in a nutshell. So like, have you, how have you seen sort of the work change over like the whole time that you've been doing it? Because I know just for somebody who's coming in, I sort of have my point of view of how the work is, but you've been doing it for so long, and especially even just leadership programs with leadership, how do you feel like it's changed? even within just you know the past decade yeah it's a great question uh, and and I my perspective I think from when I started with leadership and even I think in the you know late teen, late 1990s you know leadership was still such a um, uh, 
a new thing, right? I mean, it was new when people were developing leadership programs and leadership centers, and it really was becoming more and more prominent on college campuses. And I, I, I think what was happening in my time at, at Leadership, I, I think it's gone through a couple stages. I think um, the first was leadership for positions. So I think we focused a lot as a field on those people that had titles and student organizations on campus because we felt that, you know, they wanted that kind of training and that help, and we focused on that. And, and then I think we started to evolve a little bit more to emerging leaders, right, people that uh, uh, might not ever have a title, but we really felt that some of those leadership qualities were important for, you know, the general population, anybody that was uh, attending a college and, and corporate America was looking for uh, those skills, right, to do that. And they looked at higher education to, to develop those. And frankly, in my experience of looking at, at corporate America, too, is they really were doing a terrible job of teaching leadership. Uh, we were asked at Leadership to, to develop a leadership program for a Fortune 100 company. And um, so we did what Leadership does. We talk about values and relationships and community and, and inclusion. Um, and we developed this great program. And then when we come to deliver it, we had found that the year before that they all went to Six Flags as part of their leadership education. Education. So they were riding roller coasters, and a lot of the interns were used to riding roller coasters and mm -hmm. thinking that was leadership. And I was just, uh, I, I was blown away at how people talk about leadership and yet really don't do it, in my estimation, and struggle with that. So then there was that, you know, after emerging leaders and everybody can be a leader, then I think what really happened is the field started to get crowded and everybody was trying to reinvent the wheel. And, and I think to some degree that's happening right now, too. I think uh, universities have a lot of. Uh, uh, investment in trying to identify themselves as the leader in leadership education. And I don't think that works out well at all in terms of kind of making that happen. So part of my, my concern, I think, is to try to help speak towards that of there's some foundational um, basic things that, that are um, not changing. And that mm -hmm. is learning about yourself, doing inner work. It's about learning about other people. It's about having space and time to have conversations that matter. And then the result of that is, is leadership. Um, so I, I think I'm speaking a lot and try to have leadership in that regard of it doesn't have to be new, it doesn't have to be flashy, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, decorated in any way, but there's some just important conversations that we need to have. And, and I think that the field's starting to look at that. I think the field is starting to realize that space and time is important for leadership, especially in a world where students are pulled in so many different ways and, you know, the internet and technology and um, all the, the requirements that they have in their time is they don't have space and time to really think deeply about these things. Um, so I, I think that that's what leadership tries to do. I think there's a lot of organizations and universities and colleges that are trying to do the same thing. Well, and I was at NASPA Region 2 in, uh, in South New Jersey, right around Atlantic City yeah. that you spoke at for like the closing keynote, which I thought was really, um, it's a really great message there is that I think uh, something that I've, I've, I've really kind of globbed onto in leadership is the, um, you know, more recently the big conversation around like uh, mindfulness and balance and harmony or whatever kind of word you want to use for it. So, um, you know, in leadership programs, I'm not sure if like your uh, if leadership does things specifically around that, but I know, I guess in terms of your role modeling and the whole institute, like the whole group and everything, is that something um, as a leader you've recently kind of gotten into, you know, like how, how has that journey been for you? Yeah, uh, another great question. So um, I, I think I even mentioned in that keynote, you know, that I'm a recovering perfectionist. 
And I, I think that in higher ed and in spe- and specifically student affairs, I think we all to some degree struggle with that uh, feeling that we need to be uh, perfect and have all the answers for our students and be able to be what they need for us to be. And I think there's a lot of um, weight and a lot of uh, baggage that creates for us uh, in the in the field. And I think what I've realized is some of the best examples you can give students are when you're not perfect and when you mess up and you don't have the answers. Uh, and so trying to help us all, I, I think, and even as leaders, uh, to settle down, <laughs> you know, um, you, you don't have to always be on. You don't have to always have the, the 12-step process, right, to kind of figure this out or the right program or the right message. Um, so I, I think what I'm learning and what I'm speaking about and what I'm trying to influence leadership to be, too, is this um, – being present and being in the moment and not being lost in what I didn't do and what I'm supposed to do, but what am I doing? You know, what, right in the middle, right now, the conversation I'm having with the student, the conversation I'm having with the colleague, um, how am I taking care of myself to be um, the, the best role model that I can and, and the best educator that I can, the best coach uh, that I can. And so that's where I think leadership has evolved some is kind of on the edge of that because you know, anybody can go you know, online or on campus and I, you can learn how to lead in terms of technique. And I, I believe strongly that leadership, uh, lead, leadership is an art. Uh, and you know what, when you see it and it's different for everybody and so practice it on your own. And, and the only way you do that is by being authentic and, and listening and being quiet and not distracting yourself to the point of, um, of uh, diluting what it is that you're experiencing. And I think students do that too. They get so caught up in the, the day-to-day class, uh, the club, the organization, the boom, 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 boom. And just sitting and being quiet, I think, is, a, is something we don't have in society as much today. Exactly. And part of my journey, I think, is I've become more like zen and relax in those ways because i usually would yeah. be like the big idea person like looking you know kind of head in the sky sort of thing and if you're like because i think that is like some people are those that are just so like big and they don't like they're not in the moment with people i feel like so it is like yeah, it's definitely an important thing to note of just like really being able to kind of just go with the, like the adaptability go with the flow be found like yeah i don't know it's, it's a lot there but um so I guess like it's, the, not, it's not easy to do too. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> I, I think uh, you know our field has a badge of honor for working hard and for staying up late and for doing everything. And so when you're competing with that and student affairs, it's hard to be the first one that says, you know what? No, I'm going to go home and go to bed. <laughs> you know, or uh, I'm not going to do all of these things and volunteer for all of these assignments. Uh, and so being the first is hard. Yeah. Cause it, like it's, you can always justify it. It's like, well, I'm just doing even more good for students. Like you can always just justify it. Like I'm always just, I want to do more. Um, yeah, it's this martyrdom kind of thing, right? Is we're, we're sacrificing our own well being, thinking that that's what it is. And that's a terrible example to set for students. Yeah. And then you just have to, you know, and it is like easier said than done, like where that line is. I'm just like, oh, this is just enough to where I'm really doing great stuff, but I'm also taking care of myself. Like, and it is like a personal thing. You just obviously try and encourage people to do that. But, um, so 
so I guess, you know, something that just like on a, that pos- like a positive note, um, you know, like why do you feel like these programs are important? And I guess maybe examples of maybe success stories that you've seen from leadership over the years of, um, you know, always the classic student affairs thing is somebody contacting you like a student years later saying like, oh, that thing that you did or you gave me that chance or you gave me something. Um, do you have any maybe like stories or maybe just, you know, why generally you feel like these programs are so important? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll share a story and then kind of my, my thoughts on it. Uh, I had just started working with leadership and probably was there a couple months when we got a, a phone call from a, uh, a past graduate of the Leadership Institute who was a, a lawyer in, in Cleveland. And we do a, an activity in the Institute called Star Power, and it's about the, um, the slippery slope of uh, how easy it is to abuse power. Uh, when you when uh, when you're in a group and when you have a leadership role, so anyway, he uh, called us up and at that point, you know, we had one one phone in the office and he said, I don't I don't uh, know who you are, but I just want to call leadership and say that I just got out of a staff meeting with my other partners at this law firm, and when I was at leadership, I hated that activity, Star Power. I really thought it was terrible because it it uh, created some conflict in the group, right? And and by design, it's supposed to. Uh, and he said, I, I absolutely hated it and I just got out of a meeting where I saw it play out and I wanted to call to somebody and say I just got it and this was you know four years after the experience of him having that activity and 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 hating it and not getting it and then being in a work environment where he said I, I get it now Wow. and um, I remember hanging up the phone and I said you know what it's gonna be pretty easy for me to keep coming to work here uh, when you're planting those kinds of seeds so I, I think what what that did and, and at leadership uh, in particular, and I think any program uh, that's that's on a, a college campus is that I think it's about seed planting. Um, I don't think it's possible, or I think it's harder to try to tie everything up in a neat bow at the end of one of these programs that we do. And so I, I think it's very much about planting seeds. I think it's about starting conversations. I think it's about giving tools. Uh, in other words, I think it's, it is much more about process than it is end result. Now, I think that's hard in this day and age in student affairs where we're being asked to measure everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what this leadership program, what did it do? What did they learn? And how did they make that happen? And we run into that to leadership because leadership is an expensive program because it's six days long. You have to feed them and you have to room them. I mean, that's that's the biggest part of that at fee. So how do you justify that price? How do you justify that investment? And so people try to measure it. And I get that. And I, I'm not saying that it's not something we should strive for. All I'm saying is we need to take that in, a, in the larger picture of five years later, someone could call back and say, I just got it. And how valuable is that for us as educators to know that um, it doesn't have to finish when we have them during those four or five, six years while they're on a college campus, but that you know our programs and our experiences, and I'm starting to say it more as experiences instead of programs be it a one-day experience or a, or a keynote or a, mm-hmm. a, a fireside chat, because the, it's the experience of that that helps to mold and, and meld uh, our way of thinking about ourselves and then the world, and then hopefully the result is leadership. Uh, and and I, I think that's, that's how uh, it started to kind of mold for me and kind of change for me is that it's all about the process. It's about the conversation. It's about having a longer term perspective than maybe even the window that we have with students while they're on campus. 
Uh, and I think that would that would um, that would change our work uh, in ways that you can't even imagine right now if we were all to look at it from that perspective um, and remind ourselves because we all know that it's the same thing with education, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to get an education at a university or college not so that as soon as you step out of that you're a done person. Uh, it's to hopefully give you the tools to think and to question and to to research and things are you're going to use all your life, right? And so for us to measure it in those four years, I think is a mistake. So that that's that's what I'm thinking of, and that's where my experience with leadership and these programs are: is to stop trying to reinvent the wheel, um, stop trying to 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 have it all tied up in a neat little bow, and. One of the things that I'm saying these days when I'm having a chance to talk is to stay in the mess. Um, I I think that one of our jobs as educators is to help students and just people stay in the hard conversation, Mm -hmm. Uh, not not help them get out of the hard conversation. And, And a lot of times we look at it like that. How do I save them? How do I give them the answer? How do I make it easy for them? Uh, to, to get out of that. And I don't think that's our job. Our job is to say, I don't know, but stick in the, in the hard conversation, stay in the argument, um, you know, learn to disagree and then be able to go out and, and have a coffee afterwards uh, instead of take it as a character flaw. Um, so now I'm, I'm getting my soapbox dusting with that, but I, I think that that's one of the main reasons why we have so little, little discourse, uh, even politically and in corporate America, as well as we all are able to focus in our own little corner. I can go to Fox News and see my view of the world. I can go to MSNBC and I can see a different view of the world. And what we're missing is the, the real world, the one that's in the middle, mm-hmm. uh, because we don't want to have conflict. We, we want to I want to hear what I want to hear that makes me happy and reaffirms my view of the world. And that's not how the world works. So. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely get that of just like why they're important is like you get people to a place where they can have discussions about things, you know, not yeah be like demagogues or something and just like yell at each other but it like and that may be hard to measure where it's like yeah i think we broaden their understanding or tolerance for different views and it's like maybe they like had no chance to like put that into practice it's like oh we had like a mock debate or something like and they were very respectful or something like and maybe that's the first step towards something else but it's so hard yeah to just say like well they're definitely the most accepting and like you know understanding people on the planet after this program then we're good and just like wipe our hands clean of that Um, Correct. And I think that's one of the biggest things as it relates to, you know, social justice education, too. And I've got a lot of friends and colleagues in that. And and we have that conversation about stay in the space, Mm -hmm. right? Stay in the conversation and with all that's there. But how do we help people stay in that conversation and not leave? Uh, And I I think in particular, you know, we have uh, at Leadership, um, you know, we do have a lot of conservative students that will attend. And even though we know that there's certain things that they need to learn and they need to be a part of the conversation, it helps nothing to drive them away. Uh, we need them there. We need them as a part of that conversation, people that haven't had those experiences. And so um, how do you do that? How do you throw a, a, a large umbrella over all of that? And I, and I worry that we're, we're losing that. I worry, and, and I also know that's privilege. I also know that a lot of um, you know, folks of privilege have had their conversation always. Uh, but I, I still believe that there, there's a piece of in, in keeping that as a part of that so that we can help educate those folks that haven't had those experiences. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I guess, you know, that may be a, a big component of because I wanted to highlight, you know, there's probably a lot of people listening who are student affairs professionals who, you know, are uh, at this point, you know, 
planning ahead for the next academic year of what they might want to do for leadership programs and such. So um, I guess if it's, you know, what not to do or what, you know, what you would encourage folks to do, um, you know, there's all sort of different environments and what, you know, they're able yeah. to do for leadership programs. So maybe just like kind of simple tips of what you would encourage uh, folks who are developing leadership programs for the next year. What do you think is, you know, what's in, what's out sort of thing, you know, like any kind of quick tips that you would share with folks? Yeah, you bet. Well, I, I definitely think uh, that what's in and what I'm reading and what I'm seeing is is more of this mindfulness and this space and time to, to process and to, to be present. Um, so I, I think incorporating some of those and not in a, um, you know, like we're all going to go off on the top of a mountain and sing Kubaya and, you know, and, and, and chant, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, though that though that could be okay, but I think sometimes we have to include people in the practice of being mindful and how you don't have to do that to be mindful and to be present. So I, I think that's a huge piece in our programs is give them space and time and don't rush them. Uh, don't rush our students into, um, they've got to learn these 10 things for this weekend retreat we're having. Maybe it's just three. Um, and then you give them the, the time to digest that. Uh, and then come back. So I, I would encourage people not to bite off more than they can chew. I, I would also say to have some cohesion. So with your programs, you know, think big picture. Think of what are the seeds that you want to plant and, and ask yourself the question, why? Why do we want to plant those seeds? And I think if you ask that question, you get to a deeper root of what is it that you value and what is it that you're hoping they walk away with? Uh, I think not coming across as the expert. I, I think it's a waste of money to get, um, you know, frankly, and, and I do this some to myself, but, you know, keynote speeches and, and having uh, personalities come to talk about things. I, I think that you can get all that. You can go to TED Talks. You can get it online. You can see those people for much less money. But how do you develop programs that raise great questions? And, and don't give them the answers, but, you know, great questions about, leadership about who they want to be about the campus community and and work work and spend your time on crafting really good questions i I am uh, finding in my reading and my conversations with people that when someone asks me a good question or i hear a good question i'm like wow that's that just makes you think right so if we spend our time more on coming up with good questions instead of outlines and agendas um I think that can do wonderful things as we're thinking about programs in the fall Uh, and and your role modeling for students of think about good questions and think about, uh, you know, answers that aren't yes or no uh, to do that. Um, I I think I'm trying to teach leadership without talking about leadership uh, because I think there's a lot of weight around that word now. And I think that a lot of, uh, you know, millennials and students these days, and as soon as you say the word leader, people have a, uh, an understanding that sometimes is a little skewed of what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what are the, the behaviors, right? The community building, the relationship building, the uh, being a person of vision, right? Being visionary and try not to use the word leader. Uh, I think that could be, that would be really interesting to see what people could do if you did that. Uh, and then again, trusting that at the end, the behaviors that will result will be leadership behaviors. But yet you're not de- you're not dealing with the complexities of am I a leader? Am I not a leader? I'm going to do it for my resume. Uh, you know all of that junk that comes in there. Try to do away with that. So try very much to keep them more general, more space, more questions, more time together, uh, and more struggles in that. 
create the hard conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because and you said in your uh, like when you're doing your talk at uh, NASPA too of just like how many, like there's just so many different definitions of leadership like just how uh, like everyone's trying to be like all right we're gonna make a book that's blank leadership you know and like when you do have there's like we're defining it tonight in this workshop like we're defining leadership but if it is like the skills like that's like hitting my head and also the great questions like i I have uh like a just a note saved on my evernote of just like great questions so if i'm just like hanging out with people we can just be like all right let's talk about this like it's a conversation starter so it's always really fun so one of the one of the when i was back this is kind of dating me when i was an ra there was the book of questions. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's still out there or people, but it was it was what we used as icebreakers, you know, on our floor. And um, and I, I need to go back and find my copy of it because there were some really good ones that are there that just gets people in the conversation. So mm-hmm. it's a great tool. Well, I guess uh, you just mentioned a book and when you're talking about the mindfulness, I'm just going to throw out like a, um, a plug for a book that I just read that helped like on that. Um, it's called Buddha Walks Into a Bar and it's sort of like real world meditation and like Zen kind of tips and stuff. So I like I, and I just like breeze through it and um, I like can how you're saying, I think, you know, meditating on a mountaintop isn't for everybody. And I don't know if I'm there yet, but it was at least just good, like how you kind of respond to the world and like your kind of thoughts and stuff. And that's sort of um, that kind of stuff was really helpful for me. So um, kind of in that vein, whether it's for fun or uh, stuff that you're reading on like leadership and stuff, is there anything that you're um, reading or watching or anything that you feel like would be relevant to the rest of the world of student affairs? Yeah, you bet. Uh, Along those lines, there's a great book by Daniel Goldman. Uh, It's actually been out, I think for a year, you know, and he, he did, uh, you know, is known for his work in emotional intelligence, right? And writing some of those. And he's got a new book out called Focus, uh, which is, is amazing. Uh, and I really resonated with it because it talks a lot about um, uh, attentiveness, mindfulness, uh, about resiliency. Uh, and, it, and he does it in a very practitioner way. Uh, and, and he's a great writer, too. So I, and in fact, I, I had a chance to meet Daniel Goldman at a conference on mindfulness, and he's really gravitating towards that as well as it relates to emotional intelligence. So, mm-hmm. so Focus by Daniel Goleman is one that I highly recommend. I'm also, and I don't know if this relates much, but it's kind of in the frame of mind I'm in. Uh, there's a book uh, called Essentialism uh, that I am reading right now, and it's um, actually, I, I think it's in the, uh, uh, the top sellers if you walk into a Barnes and Noble, um, and I don't know the author's name, um, but it, it's, uh, it's on, uh, you know, doing more with less. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then he also makes the case about not necessarily doing more, but just our, our, our need to not be so weighted down. Uh, and so this, uh, essentialism, this, this idea of, uh, less is, is important. Less has more meaning. Um, I've said a couple times that it's, it's deep diving, instead of jet skiing across the top, right? So it's our ability to get deep into things that are important to us, what really matters to us, and to, to search for that, that meaning and, and purpose with that. Um, you're very right. I am uh, actually very opposed right now to reading any book that has an adjective in front of the word leadership. Right. Because uh, I think that it's, uh, it's packaging. And I, and I understand why people are doing it, and I get it, and there's some really creative ones, and that's good. But I, I like to really read on the on the outskirts, um, on the on the on the characteristics and, and and ways of being 
that are on the tangent part of leadership, which I think really opens up new um, avenues for us to make connections to leading and our lives and other people. So, so flow by Daniel Goldman in, the, in this book, I, the, the title is Essentialism. Um, and I think those are great ones. And in fact, essentialism, I'm almost done with, but I'm reading that right now. So great. Yeah. Yeah. And I do appreciate because we've had other people on the podcast, like, uh, they're, they're reading like the, uh, uh, biography of like Abraham Lincoln or something. And it's like, they yeah. were gleaming leadership lessons from that. And it's like all of the other stuff that's not sort of, you know, I don't know, like, so on the point, you know, like where it's like, again, like, Oh, we're defined. This is leadership. You just read this book and then you'll be the best leader ever, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's so, it's so funny because there, there's value in reading biographies and, and value in reading some of those books, but there comes a point and maybe I'm just old, but you know, it comes a point where you've heard that before, you mm-hmm. know, and, and people are just trying to say it differently. Uh, and, and we buy them because we're very interested. People buy the books, otherwise they wouldn't be writing them, right? Um, so, uh, but I'm not interested in that. You know, I'm interested in, in what, what haven't we talked about yet and what are the new ways that we can think about helping people be good citizens and taking leadership of their own lives and of their communities and, and making a difference and not sitting in their own room, you know, just watching a computer screen all day, right? Mm-hmm. And, I get that that's a part of our lives, but there's others, right? There's other things that we need to do. And I worry that we're sliding down that slope. Yeah. And this is always a good point. And I've, I've started reading, yeah, there's this, what, what you're saying, I had a thought that I feel like I have to get out that it is like, I wonder if there's going to be a point where it's just like, I feel like I've read everything. Like if you just read so much and you're just like, it's all the same. I don't like, that's going to be a, a crazy point, but, um, yeah, I love to be surprised now. You know, I, I wanna, I wanna be dazzled. There, there's actually another great book that I would recommend. It's called How, just H O W, uh, and it's by Dove Seedman. Uh, it's D O V, and I think his last name is S I E D M A N. It might be S E I D M A N. And 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 it really surprised me. It struck me, right? It was new and it was different, and it was the importance of not what we do, but how we go about doing it which I loved. And I, I go back to that book a ton. It's been out for a number of years now, but uh, yeah, surprise me with the book. You know, don't, uh, I, I, I've read a lot of them and I, and I, uh, I just, my time is valuable. You know, mm-hmm. I've got children and I've got job and, and uh, things I want to do. And I, I just can't read the same stuff anymore. So there will be coming a time, Dustin, you'll get there. You'll get there. <laughs> um, I guess in another plug, cause when you were talking about the technology, just another plug for a book, I, I think that we've uh, mentioned on the podcast before, but, um, alone together, which is, is a great kind of critique of oh, like yeah. the super plugged in uh, generation, which it was like, I, I love technology and it was a nice to like, again, hear something different where it's like, okay, not everyone being like social media is amazing. And then it's like, well, these just have a little bit of like self-awareness about it. But well, um, okay. Now you got me going, Dustin. So Meg Wheatley also has a book called so far from home <laughs> nice. um, or so far away. Like, I think it's so far from home. And, um, it talks about that. It talks about because technology is, uh, such a wonderful tool, but yet we're missing essence, you know? And, um, uh, th- th- you're, you're exactly right. I, I think that w- I have had to struggle with, you know, even at, at when I gave this keynote last week, um, you know, everybody's tweeting what I'm saying. And I wonder, are they, I get that's paying attention what, what's going on, but it's hard for me. And that's just, I think it's just cause I'm older, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That's great. And they, and, but you get to see the messages, you get to see what resonates with people, which is valuable. Right. 
Um, and then, then there's also this presence piece of that, right? Where the shining eyes for people that are in an audience or a conversation that, you know, I know when I'm speaking that I, I, I love seeing those, the ones that are cheering you on with their, their eyes. And um, it's hard. It's hard for us to balance that in society of, of sharing what we know and our experiences and also being present. And I feel like I have to, because the I always ask like sometimes and most people don't like it's always a lot of really awesome books and stuff. But in other for other people they uh, say what they're watching right now, and I feel compelled to ask because again it's like it's, it seems like everybody in student affairs watches it. Do you watch Game of Thrones? Because I'm I'm catching up on that right now. Are you a fan of that? Because it seems like everybody else on the podcast is I, always. I like, I am. I I've got some holes to fill, so okay. I have to go back and watch some episodes. And so I, I think this summer will be my binge watching of filling all of those. But yes, I do. So. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, because we've like just be like, all right, well, we have to talk about Game of Thrones like every episode. Just like Sundays on HBO, guys. Oh, just <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, there's. Uh, I I think what's um well, it's neat to also do that through social media, right? Oh yeah. And so it's like you're watching it with everybody else, uh, which is really cool um, yeah. to do. So yeah, but I've got a couple holes I need to fill this summer and some episodes I've missed. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Um, all right. Well, is there any just kind of um, you know final thoughts that you'd like to leave everybody with on kind of leadership programs and all those sort of things, just to um, kind of wrap everything up? Um, just, you know, thanks again for the opportunity, uh, you know, to talk and, and I would say, uh, be creative, um, be thoughtful, um, don't be rushed, um, ask good questions, uh, create time and space for people to sit, uh, be comfortable with the silence mm-hmm. and so that people can think, uh, when they do that and do less of here are the six things you need to know uh, to be a leader. Uh, that's training, um, but that's not uh, leadership development in, in my estimation. So uh, be creative, uh, think deeply, ask good questions, and and stay in the mess. You know, be in that hard conversation and don't take it personal and argue. I mean, the, the, the lost art of arguing without thinking that, you know, someone's an idiot and, and that they we can never be friends again. Mm-hmm. I I will share, I, I, I get testy with my friends on Facebook that say that I'm gonna unfriend you if you think of this way. Right. And I just think that's a tra- travesty. Um, they're your friend and if they think differently, so what? I mean, yeah. it's being different. So I, I would say, you know, take into mind those as, as you're planning for the fall and, um, and, and plant those seeds so that, so that they get those phone calls, uh, five years out, right. And 10 years out when someone calls you back and say, you know, I hated when we did this, or I didn't get when we did this, but now it makes sense that that is professional satisfaction uh, when you can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of great advice and uh, I think it's it's a lot of great books for folks to read over the summer while they're uh, lounging on the beach and stuff. So um, thank you so much, Paul, for taking some time out to uh, chat with me. And uh, uh, yeah, I just really appreciate it. So it's a lot of great stuff. Oh, I appreciate it too, Dustin. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Student Affairs Spectacular Podcast. As always, please leave us your comments and feedback for the podcast. It really helps us out. Give us any ideas for guests or topics for the episodes. We really appreciate it.